Welcome to the Darkness Dwells podcast, episode 53. I am your host, Jason White, and uh, I believe there's somebody here with me. It's Michael Schutz. Hello there, pod world. (laughs) How's it going, Michael? It's very good. It's very good. I've had a a productive week. Um, And as you and I were talking just before the show, it was a fast week. I can't believe it's Friday. I don't know... I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it disappeared on me. For me, it was certainly a busy week. Uh, I went to the uh, I went to that uh, con last uh, last weekend, the Ad Astra convention. Yes. that was yeah, a lot yes. of fun. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I I, uh, I haven't been in a very long time to any convention, so I uh, I was reminded how much I enjoy them. They're a lot of fun. Going to panels and and seeing people talk about certain topics on writing and whatnot. It's just, uh, it's very educational and it's a lot of fun. I got to meet up with some old friends that I haven't seen in a long time. And, uh, you know, uh, I, if you ha- if nobody's ever been to a convention, I highly recommend you uh, saving up your coins and, and checking one out because it's really uplifting. You can't believe just how awesome a convention, going to a convention is and meeting with like-minded people. I have I have yet to go and and I agree with you that I need to save up my coins and do it. You I'm, should, uh, man. I really I really want to. It's you know the last few years have just been been really full. You know, yeah. I guess I guess I've been concentrating on my on my writing a lot. Yeah, you know, and uh, haven't really thought about. You know, I get so involved in the Facebook world that I forget to have people meet each other. Yeah, in reality. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's it, both those realities are different places. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, but yeah, I, I really I'm planning actually on going to another one or two this year. Um, now that I'm uh, making some actual money again, <laughs> not, not working in retail. Retail really uh, uh, really breaks the bank. <laughs> and that's sad. It that's is. sad when you have to work so hard and you you just don't have any money. You know, thing, things to show for it. But, you know, that gets me on a whole rant that you know, <laughs> yeah. just not even going to get into. But the whole idea of having to bust your ass and not even being able to earn a living wage. Yeah, I know. Like, there's, there's oh, some people out okay. there who work harder, harder than any, well, you know, like physically harder than people who make a lot of money. And they, they make nothing, you know? Um, yeah. And I'm thinking, like... Retail workers really have to go through the grinder because they have to deal with fucking customers. And let me tell you, Ugh. customers, they can be a pleasant uh, experience, but they can also be a very negative experience. Uh, like I, I like to say lately, it all, all it takes is one or two bad apples. And I'm experiencing that on uh, on a few different levels lately. But, but yeah, all it takes is a couple of bad apples and, uh, and uh, things get, you know, put through the ringer. Yep. I was never any good at day jobs. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> no, I you know, myself. I had the, I, I had like the the actors' experience. You know, actors are always talk about uh, how many jobs they've been fired from, and <laughs> it seems like when you talk to writers, they that have day jobs, they they've kind of stuck with the their same thing and they work really diligently. But I've had I have had the actors' background, yeah, <laughs> in, in jobs. <laughs> Uh, you know, I could say the same because uh, I, I don't know. I think I'm I'm better at some of the th- like some of those retail jobs I was talking about. 
uh, than I than I feel I am, but I feel really uncomfortable working them, and I kind of feel uncomfortable where I'm working now, but that's only because there's so much machinery and uh, things to learn that it's like wow, like I sliced open my uh, fingernails about a month ago, and uh, let me tell you, that was a learning curve right there. <laughs> You know, I always think of the mangler whenever you start talking about your work. So I hope you didn't bleed into the machine. Actually, because now it will have a, a taste for human flesh. The 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 there's a there, well, the the funny thing about that is I did bleed into the machine. I, I bled no, into. No, never bleed into the machine. What we do is we have these cores that we stick on to these. Uh, I don't know, uh, cylind- cylindrical uh, things, right? That's basically what captures and uh, and uh, wraps the plastic around it, because we make uh, plastic bags, right? And uh, I was cutting over the film because the the one uh, roll was done, and uh, I, that's when I sliced open my fingers and uh, on the new on the new roll, I uh, there's probably when they get. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about it until later because fuck, I, f- I sliced open my fingernails, right? But I remember now, um, like leaving a, a bloody handprint on on the roll, trying to get the film onto the new roll. Oh, creepy! And so you know, when when it gets to the wherever it goes uh, in within the factory itself to get you know worked on, they're gonna find a bloody handprint at the end. <laughs> Jason has been here. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, with with that terribleness out of the way, how about I go into something a little more positive, such as uh, our uh, our sponsors, the people who uh, who are supporting uh, the Darkness Dwells podcast in one way or another. Yeah. And first, I'd like to mention uh, one hell of a company, a publishing house called Crystal Lake Publishing. Uh, they've been uh, publishing uh, since two thousand and twelve. And they've quickly become one of the world's leading indie publishers of mystery, thriller, and suspense books with a dark fiction edge. Uh, they release. They recently uh, released their first uh, full-length novel because before it was all short story collections and novellas. Uh, and that is Blackwater Val by William Gorman. And I highly recommend that you go and check that out. But they've also published a lot of uh, really uh, fantastic writers such as uh, Richard Thomas. Uh, Kevin Lucia, Mercedes M. Yardley. I mean, pretty much this this is one of those uh, uh, publishers that keep and consistently release top-of-the-line stuff. So I highly recommend you check them out. And also we have... Uh, we're also sponsored by Audible.com. If you don't know what Audible.com is, it's, it's basically an online store, sort of like Amazon, and Coincidentally enough, they're owned by Amazon. <laughs> uh, it's a web store for audiobooks, and you can join up as a member and get a one audiobook, a, uh, sorry, not a week, a month, for approximately $15 if you join up. But if you want a free month membership trial, you can go to www.audibletrial.com slash darknessdwells. And from there, you can choose any audiobook you want, and uh, download it right away and start listening to it, and uh, you get that audiobook for free. And after the month is up, you pay, like I said, about $15, and I can't recommend them enough. They're awesome. And they have one hell of a good selection, like uh, you can pre-order uh, Joe Hill's new novel, um, The Fireman, I believe it's called. Uh, you can pre-order that and uh, get it the day it's released. 
and uh, if you don't know who Joe Hill is, then you need, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> you, you fell into this somehow, <laughs> but you might be on the wrong podcast. <laughs> Do you know who, who was going to be reading that? It would be fun if his dad read it. I love how Stephen King reads. No, it's a, it's a lady who's reading it. Uh, I don't have it up here. Let me see. Uh, Audible.com. Yeah, we don't need me singing. <laughs> <laughs> when, you, uh, when, when you read, and I ask this of everybody out there, when you read, do you ever read in the author's voice, if you know what the author sounds like? I do that with Stephen King every once in a while, yeah. but it's a little distracting. But uh, I, I like yeah, that's fun when you know what they what they sound like. If you do it like your own private reading in your head, you know what I do because because I listen to a lot of Audible, or not. Well, actually, I do listen to a lot of Audible because I'm a member and that's where I get my audiobooks from. But I listen to a lot of audiobooks, and uh, I've read or I've listened to a lot of uh, Stephen King uh, reading his own works and Neil Gaiman too. He's a fantastic narrator. I love listening to both of those guys. And uh, uh, going back to the fireman, uh, it's narrated by Kate Mulgrew. Oh my goodness, you're kidding! Nope, that's Captain Janeway. Yes. Oh my goodness, I'm getting it just for that. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Oh, that's god. awesome. But uh, its length is 22 hours and 20 minutes, and that's definitely unabridged. <laughs> and it's going to be released uh, on the 17th of May, which is from this recording, like about 10 days away. So, uh, definitely check that out. But like I said, if you do join up with Audible. Uh, you can pick any book you want. You don't have to do the pre-order. I just thought I'd mention that because I saw it the other day and I was like, awesome, and uh, <laughs> I love Joe Hill. You know, I have only read Heart Shaped Box. Oh, really? I have. Oh, yeah, Would, and, and that's probably why that's all I've read because it, it was good, Yeah. but it was just good. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I kinda, just kind of stopped. I kind of felt that book was really relentless and it's... Uh, uh, it's basically a chase novel in a sense, and uh, yeah, and I just felt it was kind of relentless and all the bad shit that kept coming. Uh, you really, I think, I would highly recommend uh, that you read uh, his second novel, which is called uh, oh God. Why can't I remember it? Um, is that the Nosferatu? No, that's like his the third. Like, the uh, horns. Yeah, horns. Horns is like yeah. a punch to the gut, and and then I new, have I heard that. Yeah, I I have heard. That, and then I saw the movie, and oh, I wondered, well, then. if I saw the movie, should I read the book? Well, Which is a terrible thing for an author to com- contemplate, but well, I, I did think <laughs> that. Well, you know, uh, since you've seen the movie, I've seen the movie too, uh, you know what happens at the end, so you're going to lose that, that gut punch. I, I don't yeah. know, man, like, Joe Hill had me in tears at the end of that book. It was but just... you know what? I have forgotten already, because it's been over a year. Oh, well, I, can, yeah. I, I can only keep a movie in my <laughs> mind for a year. Well, then it's wiped out, so maybe it's a good time to read the book. Well, you watch so many movies that you, you just need to delete some to make room for the new ones. That's exactly it. There's not enough space on my storage drive. <laughs> and speaking of movies, we have, we're, we're talking about one this episode. Yes, a great one. And that, that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you say that now. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh yeah we we are talking about uh Castle Freak. So uh I think uh I think we should uh delve into that. What do you say? Let's get into some Stuart Gordon madness. <laughs> but first we should maybe discuss a little bit of uh, some news items and uh and we will do that right now. Yes, I have some. 
decided I wanted to share on the news Okay, is that Sam Hain is actually pronounced Sawin yeah. in, in the Celtic. I did not know that. It's funny because, like, you know, the, the publisher, Sam Hain, uh, they're yes. always called Sam Hain, but it's, yeah, yes. like you said, it's actually pronounced Sawin, yeah. And and I've heard it in movies, too. I mean, I want to I want to say that it was in Halloween they, they talk about Sam Hain. They might have, yeah. I, it's know. been a while since I've seen that, oh. so I don't remember, but um, you know we've butchered the pronunciation of that so much. That, yeah, uh, that uh, you know you could just say that it's also pronounced Samhain. You know, you say tomato, I say tomato, that type of yeah. thing. Yeah, that's because it's Celtic, and and they have, you know, they have different sounds associated with their letters than than in American English, you know, modern American English. So definitely, but you know, I got all pro- professorial. <laughs> <laughs> you just had to go and make things deep, didn't you? I do. I have to make things complicated. <laughs> difficult. <laughs> You're uh, a difficult person, Michael. All right. Yes. So uh, I have some movie news as well. Excellent. Um, let's let's discuss. New on Netflix. You know, I love my Netflix. Mm-hmm. On May 11th, coming up in in just a few days, there's a movie called They Look Like People. Mm. Um, I recently saw this, and it is fantastic. They look like people. It's an independent thriller. Um, it, I wouldn't say it's outright horror. Um, it's kind of a slow burn. It's it's very independent, but it's it's amazing. I can't recommend it enough. May eleventh on Netflix. They look like people. Do you remember what it's about? Yes, it's about um, these two friends. This one friend comes to the city, and he believes that he is being haunted and, and pursued by by other otherworldly things, be they aliens or conspiracies, but he's being instructed on what to do. And uh, I I'm always afraid of giving away too much so that's all I'm all I'm going to do. It's kind of an examination of their friendship and about this one particular friend and just all the just it's very intense. It's uh, terrific. Cool. Terrific movie. Awesome. Sounds awesome. I uh, I love slow burns. You know, depending on the movie, I like action packed, but I also like slow burns if yeah. it's you know entertaining. What one thing that annoys me though are people who complain about slow burns because you know there's no. It, it was boring. You know, it's not. You know, you, sometimes you just gotta pay attention to the goddamn story. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and I'm always I I like that. And I'm that way in books, too, you know, and maybe it's because I, I just got into horror at that time with, like, the early, like, early Stephen King, you know, you look at Salem's Lot, you look at The Shining, he takes his damn time. Yeah, he does. And I like that. I like, you know, I was, when when I was working on Blood Vengeance and working on marketing it and 
finding publishers, you know, like agents and, and editors in their requirements, they will actually come out and say, oh, lots of, lots of white on the pages, lots of blank spaces, it's got to be easy to read. And, you know, I had a, I had a short story that was rejected because, and, and the guy said, the editor said that nothing happened until the middle of the second page, which when formatting a story, I mean, it only, it starts on the middle of the first page, you know, because I, I started, you know, way down there. So we're talking about like 300 words. He, mm -hmm. he rejected it because nothing happened in 300 words. So. <laughs> 300. Well, yeah. what, what are we coming through that we can't, you know, read a couple pages of setting, yeah. you know? Um, that's true. Um, that's, that's another soapbox. This is my soapbox game. <laughs> you have a rant day. You know what? Uh, I do. I didn't know it was gonna gonna come out like that. That's okay. I, there's there's about a million things I could rant about right now, but <laughs> but you know that's life. <laughs> um, I could probably create some new podcasts just based on some rants. That would be fun. That would be. We should do like a. I'd be a guest on that. Yeah, we'd like do an anonymous ranting uh, <laughs> podcast. That might be interesting. We redisguise our voices show. and stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, call in and say your, have your say, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> That's interesting. All right, so uh, what else do you have? Um, well, you and I love to talk about our reboots. Yes. Guess, guess what? Have you, have you heard about this one? Have know. you heard about this one? Uh, Puppet Master is no. getting the reboot treatment. No um, way. Producer Dallas Saunier of, of Bone Tomahawk and Chad Ban, producer of the original Puppet Master, are teaming up on Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich. Uh, oh. There's no director yet, but it will be written by S. Craig Zoller, who wrote and directed Bone Tomahawk. Excellent. And this is supposed to kick off a whole new series of Puppet Master movies. <laughs> so lots of Puppet Master in the future. Speaking of slow burn, I wonder if uh, the new Puppet Master movie will be a slow burn. <laughs> Because of Bone Tomahawk. Because <laughs> yeah. you, know, you want to talk about slow burn, Bone Tomahawk really uh, perfected that. It did. And oddly enough, I guess that's why I didn't like it at first. You know, yeah. so I can get up here and preach and shake my finger, but I'm just as bad as everybody else when it comes down to it. <laughs> you know, we're all hypocrites one way or another. Yeah. You know, it just it depends on what we're in the mood for. Yeah, that's You true. know, I love slow burns, but sometimes I want to... I want something fast. You know what? Sometimes you it's know? expectation too. Um, you know, you can't. Yeah. Re I can't really pick on the people who bitch about movies because it was boring. Because you know, sometimes you go into a movie thinking it's going to be a lot of fun and exciting, and you get something completely like you know, uh, one eighty different from what you're expecting, and you're like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> Your old man. Green Inferno. <laughs> You know what? I liked Green Inferno. Did you? Yeah, but I went in with low <laughs> expectations, so uh, I think yeah. that's the reason See, why I liked it. Yeah. My expectations have been simmering for, I think, an entire year yeah. because it got pushed back so much. That That's a long time to get excited about something. Yeah, it is. And then, like, that that's one reason why I, I hate... Well, I don't hate, but I, I don't like it when you hear about something that's, like, two years away. And uh, yeah. because then you keep on hearing about it, and when it finally comes out, you're like, you know, you go in with really high expectations because it's from a franchise or a director that you love, and 
and then you're let down because you've been waiting for it for so goddamn long. But yeah, thankfully that didn't happen with Star Wars. I have to say that because I oh, I went in with man. Yeah, I went that in. That was so good. I went in with high expectations, and they were they were all met. To be honest. Well, we all had our disappointment with the uh, with the prequel trilogies. Mm. I mean, man, I spent I spent a lot of man hours convincing myself that the Phantom Menace was good. I mean, I really tried. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, yeah, those three movies, they have their quality, I think, but they're not, they don't have that Star Wars feeling, I don't think. No. And there's also some things about it that are just annoying, like the guy who plays Anakin, not the kid, but the uh, older guy, I forget his name. Everybody, everybody hated him. I, I like Hayden Christensen, but... I don't. I, I guess I'm the only one. I just, maybe, it wasn't maybe him, but his character, he was just... I guess you're supposed to kind of not like him very much because of what he becomes, but I don't know. He just annoyed me. <laughs> I was just annoyed at uh, some of the inconsistencies of, of the plot. Yeah. Because in Empire Strikes Back, uh, when, when Luke is hanging in the little ice monsters thing and Obi-Wan comes to him, tells him to go to Dagobah and seek Yoda quote, the Jedi Master who instructed me. And then we go to the prequels, and Qui-Gon Jinn is instructing Obi-Wan. Yeah. What What the fuck? Where did that come from? <laughs> that made me mad. Did, did you throw <laughs> your popcorn and storm out of the theater? No, no, I was I was saying, oh, this is good, this is good, I'm, I'm watching Star Wars, yes? <laughs> <laughs> Try to convince yeah, yourself it's all okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Try to convince myself. Yeah. I can understand that. Um, actually, I don't think I went to the theater to see any of those. Really? Yeah. Wow. But uh, going back to the Puppet Master, have you have you seen any of the Puppet Master films? I have, and guess what? I've forgotten them. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I know I've seen the first one. I know that. Yeah, I, uh, I I've seen at least three or four of them, and you know what? Um, I saw them. I guess when I was around 15, 16, you know, that, that time in your life. Yeah. And honestly, I, they, they, were, they sort of melded into a lot of those uh, movies from back then. And uh, I watched rewatched it recently uh, from listening to Dread Media. Um, they did, a, I think it was about a year ago, in September or October of 2015, 14, they did like a, uh, an episode where they, they, rev- they didn't really review, they did like a, sort of like a top 10 list uh, many different types of top 10 lists they called it like the uh, the award show for the puppet master series and it was really fascinating hmm. to listen to that couldn't that made me interested in going watching some of them again you know what they're actually a lot of fun those movies uh so it'll be interesting to see uh what's done if if it actually makes it to you know theaters or or, or desk and i'm always you know when they go back to source material from from that time i always wonder what their take on it is going to be are they going to be like like really gritty and and scary or are they going to be a little little kitschy yeah wink wink we're we're remaking this franchise yeah that's always always on my mind always wonder what do you prefer when it comes to that gritty yeah you know i love i mean what uh what michael bay did with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies was amazing. Which was weird because mm-hmm. it was it's Michael Bay, you know, like Yeah. Um 
I'm not a big fan of... Uh, actually, you know what? I A lot of people hate on Michael Bay, but I don't necessarily. Like, you could pick on the Transformer films all you want, but really all he's doing is making fun action movies. There's no depth. Yep. There's not meant to be any depth to them. Or, yep. And I mean, he's terrific at them. He's, yeah, he's he is. He's terrific at making fun action movies exactly. that don't go very deep. There's nothing wrong with those. So There's I don't, nothing wrong with that. I get in the mood for those, and yeah, that's what too, I watch. Actually. You know what? I watch them, too, and I enjoy them, but they're not favorites or anything. Um, yeah. And you know what? Sometimes the uh, the characters are really fucking annoying, but you know, most of the time you don't have to hear them talk because they're fighting giant <laughs> mon- giant monsters. Yeah, giant robots. So. Well, you know, Transformers was just amazing. I... You know, I just recently got another subscription to HBO, and they're showing they show Transformers and Magic Mike all the time. Those, oh, yeah. those movies came out like almost Magic a decade Mike. ago. <laughs> I don't know why they're still on HBO, but I've been watching Transformers again, and just you know, what a perfect time to to make that movie. You know, when CGI is so good. I mean, yeah. it's you know, for somebody that used to watch the cartoon and play with the toys, it's just it's. It's flat out cool to yeah. watch the Transformers in those movies. That's true. I used to I used to play with those toys too and watch the cartoon. So it was it was nice seeing it come to uh, you know to the big screen. Maybe that's where some of the hate comes from because there are some people who are like, well, it's not faithful to the original source and all this stuff. But which know, is crap. I mean, yeah, <laughs> like Hasbro really invested a lot, but yeah. Uh, but you know that's neither. I guess that's neither here nor there. It's it is what it is. And you know what? They're they're, you know, people bitch about them, but in the end, they make like hundreds of millions of dollars whenever they make one. So you can't argue with anything. success. Exactly. All right. So uh, what else? Any what else do you got? Oh, yes, that's right. We're doing a show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we're the also craft. Doing a show, yeah? the, the craft, which believe it or not, is 20 years old as of May 3rd. No way. Um, that makes me feel fucking 20 old. years. That was due for a reboot. Um, and instead of like an actual reboot, they're going to make it more of a sequel. Kind of a 20 years later cool. sort of thing with some new young witches uh, and some kind of flashback hints at, at the past film if, and what happened. If um, and the, the people involved in this are uh, Lee Janiak and Phil, sorry, Phil, Graziadi, Graziadi, who did uh, the 2014 movie Honeymoon, which is another one to look up on Netflix, Honeymoon, it's fantastic. Um, Since this is like a a, a sort of a sequel, 20 years later type thing, are any of the uh, original uh, girls in it? I couldn't find any reports one way or the other, so I just don't know. That would be interesting to see where they all are I, now, you know. I would love at least a cameo of one of them. Yeah. You know, I that would be that would be awesome. I totally I like agree. that movie. I uh haven't seen it since it came out, so I don't really have an opinion. It's been deleted. <laughs> <laughs> But I remember kind of liking it at the time, so yeah. I think honestly, though, it'd be interesting to watch if they bring back the old cast, um, at least partially. Uh, it'd be interesting to watch the first one and then you know the second one uh, yeah. back to back, just to just to see you know the difference. It 
especially without having seen the second one and and doing that that would be kind of cool what's the second one like you know sometimes they make quote unquote sequels but they're but they're kind of not like if you ever saw cruel intentions 2 it's this incredibly lame cheesy basically just a remake of cruel intentions yeah. with different people it's not really a sequel so yeah. i've never seen the craft 2 i don't know what uh that was yeah no no i'm talking about like the the what they're making now like i'm calling oh. it craft 2 i thought i thought there actually was like no, somewhere no. i don't think there oh, oh there might be actually but you know what? Now that you say that, I think there might be. I remember seeing that, but I never watched yeah, it. Yeah, I want to say that there is, and it's exactly like when, like the the Carrie movie, Carrie the Rage, yeah. or whatever, came out, and oh, yeah. it's not really a sequel. They just kind of remade it. Yeah, that uh, I think was, on a really low budget. I think that was a uh, a TV series, wasn't it? Or am I thinking of something? Oh, I'm thinking of Firestarter. Yeah. Was that a was Firestarter? Yeah, Firestarter a series? Yeah, no, not the first movie, but the, they made like a part two, and it was a mini series on TV. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. All right, let me see here. I'm looking up the craft too, and so am I. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think not. so either, because I'm seeing stuff for what they're making now, yeah. but I'm not seeing anything. It didn't well, I just, I absolutely invented something then, because in my mind I can even see, like, the cover. Yeah, <laughs> me too, actually. I like, I just remember something about that. Might be another movie we're thinking of. Maybe. Oh, One yeah. of those that, like, Redbox gets these, <laughs> like, whenever there's a blockbuster, suddenly in Redbox there's, there's a movie that has, like, the same title, just a little bit tweaked. To look like, <laughs> like if a new Batman movie comes out, they've got a got a new Batman, but it's an animated one, yeah. and it kind of looks like it's the new release. <laughs> yeah, they do that all the time. That's annoying. Oh man, it's just like uh, sort of like those movies, like uh, Armageddon versus Deep Contact. You know, you ever know yeah. that they always, they always come out around the same time. I don't know what that's about, but you know, I know. I, I heard the story behind that. I know what you mean because Vol Volcano did that too. There was Dante's Peak and yeah, Volcano. Yeah, exactly, yeah. In the case of Deep Impact and, and Armageddon, it was actually somebody, I forget which came first, which, which way it went, but somebody pitched the idea at a studio. The studio turned it down, but then tasked somebody at the, at the studio to write the screenplay and tried to get the movie out first. Uh. So that was kind of a, that, that's why Deep Impact and Armageddon were two meteor disaster movies that came out right away. That yeah. was some dirty business. That yeah, that I, that's probably how it happens. Then um, they're like, you know what, this is a good idea. We're gonna you know go yeah. ahead with this, just not with them. And uh, and then you get two movies that are simple. You get it was always the same too. It's like the one serious movie and that was the movie that was probably turned down. <laughs> and then you get the yeah. fun action packed movie. Um, but they end up both being really popular for whatever reason. Well, I like both of those. The Volcano movies were a little weird. They were a little cheesy, I thought. Yeah, both. Well, I liked uh, Dante's Peak. That was a good one. I didn't like Volcano. I get the, I get them mixed up. But the uh, the Volcano one was kind of bad. But but hey, it's another fun action film, I guess. So, uh, do you have anything else? Um, well, I do have one new release, um, if you'd like to hear about that. 
Uh, sure, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> New from from Burning Willow Press. Dark Intentions, The Human Undead War by Jonathan Edward Andreshek cool. is available now. Um, it was it was just released. So check that out, Dark Intentions. Excellent. Um, that sounds. It, do you have a synopsis or anything? Dark Intentions, The Human Undead War. In 2041, vampires are discovered, and humanity is thrust into a blood-soaked battle for supremacy. Seven years pass. The Human Undead War rages on. Ryan Colts, the lead scientist and negotiator for the Undead Relations Committee, believes he holds the solution to peaceful coexistence. But after Brian befriends the undead patriarch Barnaby, the war intensifies, and dark intentions are exposed. Can Brian forsake peace and do a sinister plot before the world is plunged into darkness forever? By Jonathan Edward Andres Jack. Awesome. Dark Intentions. The that Human Undead really cool. War. Lately I've been on a yeah. bit of a vampire kick, so that sounds awesome. Yeah. I can never get tired of vampires. Yeah, vampires. I, uh, I was actually a little tired of them for a while, but that's because the uh, market was kind of, or you know, seriously oversaturated with them, and uh, it still is, I guess. But I don't know. I like my, uh, I like my vampires still. I keep coming back to them. You know what I don't like? Werewolves. I've just never gotten into werewolves. Really? I, I've I, watched all. I've watched. I've watched a lot of werewolf movies, thinking that there's going to be one that that gets me. American Werewolf in London is good. Yeah. But but they don't inspire me. I love werewolves, but there is something about werewolves. You know, a movie about werewolves has to be done right, or otherwise it can be just a big, fat joke. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes it's meant to be a, f- a big, fat joke, sort of like Wolf Cop. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh. But <laughs> I, I <laughs> My like apologies that. for the groan. <laughs> that, I don't know. I, I like that movie. But uh, So is, is that it for you and, uh, and uh, the news? Yes, I uh, I only have a couple of things myself. Nothing, nothing huge. Uh, I had a bit of a crazy week, so I didn't really have too much time to uh, look up movies and whatnot. But I did find for all you writers out there, and there's got to be a few of you because uh, because of the people we interview. <laughs> uh, I did find uh, a submission call, uh, an interesting one for uh, some people who might be interested. Now keep in mind that this submission doesn't start. Or it's open till submissions, and it ends on July the thirty first, two thousand sixteen. So you have a couple of months to prepare a story, and uh, it's going to be called Cedo's Brine. And it's uh, uh, let me read you what they're looking for here. It's expanses of water so vast they seem to go on forever. The silhouette of a dead ship on the horizon, stars filling the nights that have never shone over our earth. Nightmares made flesh, rippling just under the surface. A siren's call no man can deny. This is what waits for you in Cedo's Brine. Cedo's Brine is, a, is open to ocean-themed horror. Mermaids, selkies, doorways to other dimensions, ghost ships, curses, madness, mythical beasts from beyond, Lovecraftian horror, and demonic forbidden love are just a few of the tales that they are looking for. So that sounds that sounds wonderful, and it kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, 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 oh god, uh, Tim Curran's Dead Sea, which is a novel I absolutely adored. 
and mm. uh, so it got me kind of excited maybe to try to submit to them but I don't know if I have the time <laughs> but uh, you know I, I thought I'd share it with everyone just to see you know that sounds fun yeah that it does sound fun. fun and I also came across this uh, uh, this blog post that cites reviews for writers uh, for horror fiction and horror novels and they will review they will review your uh, novel for free and uh, it's from uh, Kira Butler. Uh, sh- this person is a writer, I, I would imagine. I don't know too much about the, the blog itself, but uh, uh, she is a writer of speculative fiction. And uh, she came up with this uh, list. And it's... Uh, so I, I tell you, go over to kirabutler.com. And that's K-I-R-A... B-U-T-L-E-R dot com and uh, look up uh, sites that review horror fiction and horror novels for free and there's a giant well a, a good list like Books of Blood, Bloody Bookish, uh, Castle Macabre uh, Cemetery Dance Online there's uh, uh, yeah it's actually a pretty big list here so you could like submit your book to these uh, people and they will re- review it for free so long as you follow their guidelines and understand that they might turn your work down due to time restraints and whatnot. And uh, that's all I've got. Sounds good. Good stuff today. Excellent. Yes, indeed. So we are going to take a small break and when we return, we are going to talk about a movie that I thought was from the 80s. <laughs> it turns out to <laughs> be from 1995. Yes. Okay, also this week, I almost forgot to mention, uh, we have a book review by Keith Shago, and so uh, that should be interesting. Uh, stay tuned for that as well. Great to have Keith back on. Exactly. I, I like listening to his voice. He's got a, he's got this, I don't know, it's like a, a British-American uh, hybrid of an accent. <laughs> But it's also <laughs> sort of gentleman, gentlemanly, and uh, I don't know, it's kind of weird, because if you know Keith, he, he's quite the raunchy humorist. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> so uh, it's fun. It's always fun to listen to him. All right, so uh, we'll, we will be right back. With unmatched success since 2012, Crystal Lake Publishing has quickly become one of the world's leading indie publishers of horror and thriller books with a mystery and suspense edge. With stories, interviews, and essays by the likes of Wes Craven, Neil Gaiman, Jack Ketchum, Ramsey Campbell, Kevin Lucia, Jasper Bark, Mercedes M. Yardley, Mark Allen Gunnels, and Clive Barker, you'll want to dive right in. Crystal Lake Publishing www.crystallakepub.com
Who hasn't been startled by a spider, attacked by an ant, broken into a run because of a swarm of bees, or even gotten creeped out by making eye contact with a four-legged creation? I know I have. Bats, dogs, lions, primates, ants, bunnies, shadows, infections, shifty shapes, and more will sneak into your thoughts while reading this. Maybe you are out for a walk in the fog, on your way home from an average day of work. Perhaps you heard a whisper along the way. Was it a snake, a bird, an ape, an angel? Are you even safe? Be prepared to panic. Question your own beliefs and rethink your superstitions. Go ahead, investigate that strange sound or weird neighbor, but beware of the beast no matter if they are two or four-legged. Nature can be an amazing thing, unless, of course, you're a horror lover like me. This collection has me scared to leave my house, but also frightened to stay indoors with my own pets. There's no winning here, except for the authors who created these chilling shorts. Never underestimate the intelligence or emotions of an animal. Never misjudge the power of imagination and never miscalculate your relationship with a beast think you can hang grab your courage and a copy of beasts and prepare for a dark fast-paced edge of your seat thrill ride. each story has amazing character depth suspense shocks and carries the theme of this ethology creatively and in the most entertaining way You might have a few nightmares. Just make sure you're actually asleep. I most highly recommend this to all fans of modern horror. Beast Genesis, a dark ethology from Media Bitch Literary Agency. Stuart Gordon, the director of Fortress, The Pit and the Pendulum and Reanimator takes you into the dungeons of Castle Doacino. Now an American family Welcome to Castle Riley, lady. will inherit a legacy of evil. They say the Cosmies home and a master of modern horror. Will unleash his most terrifying creation. Stuart Gordon's Castle Free.
animators Jeffrey Combs and Barbara Crampton. In Stuart Gordon's Castle Freak. Castle Freak. Castle Freak. All right, so this week, uh, this week's movie choice was mine. And, uh, yeah, so we can tell. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, and uh, that, was mean. That, that, that was mean, Michael. I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> I'm a mean person. You mean <laughs> bastard. Nobody knows that about me. I'm a dick. <laughs> so a real dick once you get to know me. I'm a nice guy until you get to know me. Oh, and man. then I treat you like shit. No. <laughs> so <laughs> step into my parlor. <laughs> hope you don't make uh, uh, meat pies out of us. You know, I just, I just watched a great movie that I'm going to do a blog on about that. So keep watching. Keep watching our uh, WeirdDarknessDwells.com. Yeah. But that's for a different discussion. <laughs> All right. So this week I chose uh, I chose Castle Freak from 1980... Uh, shit. 1980-something or other. <laughs> Let me pull it up. <laughs> that really amused me. <laughs> Castle Freak. You know, while you're looking that up, it's by by Stuart Gordon. Yes. Who um, I forgot to look this up, but he has a he has a connection to Madison, Wisconsin, yeah. where I'm from. He actually founded the uh, Willie Street Theater, which which I used to go to all the time for uh, independent plays. Um, kind of just the he went to the university there. I do believe I do believe that uh, that that's his alma mater as well. So he kind of got his start where where I did, so that's always cool to, you know, visit Stuart Gordon's work. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, uh, I think that's really cool. Uh, I find that a lot of people, uh, a lot of writers and uh, uh, and whatnot, come from from your neck of the woods. Well, I really subscribe to Peter Straub's idea that like the fabric of reality gets kind of stretched. In, in the middle of the country and lots of weird things happen. I, I think really it, it, it's winter that does it. <laughs> you know, that's very possible too. <laughs> All right, so I, very I was, bleak. Yeah, very bleak. So Okay, so I was wrong. It's not from 1980. It's from 1995. I thought it was wow. from the 80s, but I was wrong. But uh, yeah, uh, the movie stars a couple of my favorite actors, uh, Jeffrey Combs and Barbara Crampton. And uh, also Jonathan Fuller, uh, Fuller, who I believe plays uh, the creature, um, if you want to call him that. <laughs> this story is uh, loosely based off an H.P. Lovecraft story, as most of uh, Gordon stories are, and that is, uh, oh, what is it? I think it's the Tomb. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's the Tomb. And. Uh, like I said, there's only one scene in this film actually that resembles uh, that short story, and that's when he's crawling up the stairs and looks in the mirror and then freaks out and breaks it. That uh, that that scene is from the Lovecraft story, but everything else is like very uh, <laughs> very loosely based, <laughs> very very loosely based. So, uh, uh, what would you do if you inherited a castle, Michael? <laughs> 
Man, that was that was really crazy. You know, that's weird to inherit an entire castle because that thing was huge. I mean, that was that was a real fucking castle. You know, yeah. that's just not inheriting your grandma's haunted house. But no. uh, I I'd move in. I'd have to buy a lot of tapestries, you know, because they keep it they keep it warm. You yeah, know? that's how you keep castles warm. Tapestry. Um, yeah, I'd have a lot of fun there. Me too. I would definitely move in, or at least give it a go. <laughs> um, I, I'd move right the hell out when I found the freak, though. I'm <laughs> <laughs> messing around with that. He'd be like, "Fuck this place, man." Yeah. <laughs> One thing I like about this movie is, okay, so the the premise is uh, Jeffrey Combs and his uh, his wife and daughter. Uh, they're they're suffering from. Uh, uh, something bad that Jeffrey Combs's character did, which was uh, they had a son, and uh, his drinking and driving got their son killed. So that obviously put a rift between uh, John, who's Jeffrey uh, Combs's character, and Suzanne, his wife, played by Barbara Crampton. She hasn't forgiven him yet. I think it's been about a year, maybe more, and. Uh, uh, so they so he inherits this castle, which is uh, pretty incredible on its own. And the one thing I really liked about it is they move in. Uh, they're gonna, I think they're pretty much doing what we were just talking about. They're checking it out, but they're they're thinking of selling it. And uh, immediately, you know, you get this vibe that this castle might be haunted. I'm glad they didn't play that up too much. You, you learn pretty soon, pretty quickly in the movie. Actually, you you kind of get the idea from the the movie's prologue that <laughs> that the uh, the ghost is a real person living in the dungeons, and uh, and this person is seriously fucked up. <laughs> and it's really creepy because. That's a, maybe that's an urban legend. Maybe that never happened. But you hear those stories of, you know, back in the day, if if somebody had a child that, um, you know, just really simple stuff these days, but any kind of physical or, or mental handicap out of, like, weird shame, they would lock that, that uh, son or daughter away, uh, like in a back room. Yeah. But uh, they didn't just lock this this poor kid away. No, they uh, they tortured him, <laughs> and she was really fucking cruel to him. Oh yeah, like uh, they well they tortured him so bad that he that he, when when you see him walk, he he can't walk right because obviously his hip bone was broken at some point or something. Uh, his skin is nothing but scar tissue. And uh, his face is all fucked up. Like his, like you've probably seen. If you haven't seen this movie, you've probably seen the cover. <laughs> and uh, the cover is well, that's that's the freak's face. And uh, his, as you can see, his lips are all fucked up. Um, he's missing half his lips actually. And uh, uh, so he's living in the basement. And uh, he. The, the interesting thing about the freak is that I don't think he t truly means to hurt anybody. He just doesn't know any better. Since he was five, the story behind him, and I don't really think this is exactly... Well, I guess it's a little bit spoiler, but uh, basically... Uh, uh, I forget how, but he was supposed to have died when he was five, but he didn't die. And so uh, they kept him chained up in the basement. <laughs> and tortured the hell out of him because that's what you do 
<laughs> when you own a castle and a freak, yes. Yeah. So uh, yeah, they uh, uh, they they tortured the hell out of him, and uh, and so that's all he knows. Is all he knows is pain. And uh, uh, when we meet him, he's cha- he's still chained up from when his uh, I guess it's his grandmother or his mother. I don't know. She was an old lady who died. <laughs> she yeah, was it the grandmother? I forget now. I think it was the grandmother. But, uh, yeah, so she, she died, and the only way he st- still stayed alive is from the castle's uh, staff, because they, uh, uh, they have, like, a maid and uh, somebody else who works there. And uh, so I, I believe the maid was probably feeding him, <laughs> but he still chained up. he chewed off his lips for that. Yeah, well, his face is all fucked up. Um, <laughs> oh, poor guy. But uh, I remember. Uh, I remember. Uh, I don't know why I said that. But uh, yeah, you no. Know, there's uh, that that one scene. Like what what makes him decide to escape from his bonds is when the family goes downstairs and he sees the daughter, <laughs> and well, let's just say he gets excited, and so he uh, very grossly uh, dislocates his own thumb by biting into it. <laughs> And then he's able to slip from his bonds. Now, it's funny because, you know, the need to eat or to live comfortably wasn't enough. But he sees a girl, and he just goes nuts. That whole uh, beauty and the beast kind of thing going on. Yeah, but this is more beast than any romance. (laughs) Yes. But, uh, so, what were your impressions of this film, Michael? Man, it's really hokey. It's really, it's really, it's really awfully melodramatic and cheesy. That, yeah. um, but you know what Stuart Gordon's movies often are. Oh, and so. I so I guess it's purposeful, right? Yeah, it's uh, well, it's, it's meant to be. Um, uh, I felt that the uh, the acting was really good. I mean, especially in the part of the freak, because. Well, the, his screaming is uh, very tortured. <laughs> he screams a lot. Anytime he, he could stub his toe and he'd be like, ar, ar, ar. That's pretty much what he sounds like. Well, that's what he sounds like when he screams. <laughs> you know, that uh, the one scene that really impressed me didn't even have, have the freak in it. It was that argument that... Uh, I think it was between between Combs and and his daughter in the crypt down there. That yeah. was like just like this flash of like real emotion yeah. just just coming through, and it it really kind of uh, I thought that's kind of the linchpin of the movie, you know, because there's the the loss of his son, mm-hmm. and you know it, it's kind of this whole familial thing and and kind of a you know theme about grief. And mm-hmm. everything, and uh, you know the parallels between like his son and his own life, and then and then the freak. You and know, you run those comparisons, and uh, and there's, there's all- a lot of depth under underneath it. It's just that it kind of had the veneer of you know, I mean, like like you thought it was in the eighties. Yeah, you know, so did I. Oh, it, it has that sort of cheese. Oh, it's very much a an eighties feel uh, to the movie, but again with. Uh, uh, with the director, every movie I've seen him do has an even like his most recent ones has an '80s feel to it. So yeah, um, and usually has uh, has Jeffrey Combs in it too. He's a yeah. he's a regular. Uh, he is regular. So is uh, Barbara Crampton actually. She's uh, in a lot of his 
movies. And, uh, you know, I really liked, well, they've worked together before and a lot, Barbara Crampton and Jeffrey Combs. Um, so they have the chemistry and I thought, I thought they did a really well job, especially Barbara Crampton. I was like, I wouldn't say she's a bad actress. She's not, uh, she's very good, but this was like a really well done role on her part. She played the cold sort of, uh, uh, she's punishing her husband for what he did and it's understandable but she she has this real coldness about her towards him even though she's still with him she won't touch him she won't uh she she's like trying and to she find won't him. let him go either because yeah. you know when he when he hooked up she was really mad so you know, it was like she thought he was obligated to uh just receive her her scorn yeah you know and uh, she it wasn't free to move. Yeah, he's. She basically wanted to. I think honestly, she if she could could have, she would have killed him. And maybe she attempted to in the middle of the movie because they have that argument in the uh, in the catacombs there. And uh, Jeffrey Combs says that he wishes uh, it was him who died, and uh, and his wife there says uh, so do I, <laughs> which sends. Uh, poor John, I think that's his name, right? Yeah, John, he goes running. And, uh, of course, the first thing he runs to is the bottle. And uh, so that was like another sort of uh, subplot that I enjoyed was uh, uh, was John's drinking issue, his addiction. Now, I have a question, because uh, where I heard from this movie was from another podcast. And they didn't like. <laughs> they thought it was quite funny Jeffrey Combs playing a drunk because or getting drunk because if you've seen Jeffrey Combs in any movie, he always plays a sort of uptight sort of guy who looks like he would never drink. And so, uh, so they you know they thought that he didn't do it very well. But I you know I thought he played the part of a, a se- severely drunk person. Okay, I, I didn't think it was that bad. What do you think? I agree. I didn't. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, I mean, it, it was it was over the top. Yeah, but but everything in in this movie is. Yeah, you know, it wasn't. Uh, I'm trying to think of, you know, something like like when uh, Nicolas Cage won his Oscar for leaving Las Vegas. You know, it's not that kind of meaty alcoholic role. You know, it was a little bit more campy. But I thought he did a pretty good job. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, you know, criticized the player after that. No, I, I thought, I thought all actors in this movie did a pretty good job. Uh, the daughter, I don't know who played her. I'm gonna guess it was uh, Jessica Dollarhide. It doesn't have a picture on IMDb, but Rebecca Riley. So considering that's the same last name as uh, as Suzanne and John, I'm pretty sure that's probably uh, who played her. Um, she, she might have been like the weakest link, but she, you know, she plays a blind woman. She was in the, uh, in the accident with, uh, her brother and father. And, uh, so, you know, it's kind of, it would be really difficult to play a blind person. I thought she handled that pretty well. Um, there's just some lines that she had that just didn't seem to seem or feel genuine. It felt like she was just you know, repeating the lines uh, because yeah. they were her lines. <laughs> but yeah, there was some really good stuff that she did too. Uh, the direction I, th- I found, 
I would say this is one of Stuart Gordon's better films, in my opinion. Um, I've seen quite a few of his films. I'm a fan of his, a big fan of his. So uh, this one is definitely, I would say, in my top three of his films, I'd say. Um, you know, that's, that's weird because I'd put it in the bottom of, of, of Gordon films. I like Dolls a hell of a lot and, and The Reanimator as yeah, well. Yeah, Reanimator. Reanimator would definitely be up there for me. I, that would probably and be number Frighteners. one. I didn't know that he did Frighteners. Oh, that's, I did. A, that's an astonishingly good movie. Yeah, I didn't know that either. We should cover that one day. Um, I love Stuart Gordon, and I love this film. Uh, I don't know why I love it. I just do. It's you know, as like five minutes into it, I, I got this. There's a, a real uh, giallo inspiration to it, you know, that that feel of Italian horror, and I know you really like that, so as, you know when I got into that, that whole vibe I'm like, well, this is why Jason likes it so much, because it's a lot like um, like, uh, what was that movie we talked about, Macabre? Was that it? Oh, Macabre? Yeah, Macabre? Yeah, yeah uh, about the, like, uh... Kind of, yeah, this had sort of an Argento feel, like, like a sort of Macabre feel to it. Yeah, uh, and well, also, it has a very gothic sort of feel to it, mostly because of the castle, probably, but but uh, I love castles. That could be why, too. It's really interesting, I think, taking a modern family with modern problems and throwing them into this old, uh, you know, creepy castle to let them work out their problems while they've got a big new problem on their hands. Yeah. So, uh, would you, uh, what are your final thoughts? Would you recommend this one, and what do you rate it? You know, I have to say that uh, it really wasn't my favorite. I probably, you know, if I was if I was being generous, I'd give it three. I'd give it three dweller heads because, oh, yeah. you know, there were some extraordinary uh, glory and fun. Yeah, like not not fun, like fun <laughs> grisly. You know, yeah. like like some serious gore horror moments with the freak. I mean, like the shit that he did with the hooker was like, oh my god, this this movie just suddenly got, you know, serious on me. Yeah. Um so I give it I give it a straight up three. There there's better, there's worse. But um yeah, if if you're in the mood for a kind of campy and uh and really gory movie. And kind of, and kind of disturbing. I honestly would recommend it. Um I would give it I I'm gonna give it a four and a half dweller head. Wow. Because uh this movie is just a lot of fun for me, and uh, I really like the creature, the freak, because it it's a unique monster. Um, he survives. The freak, I loved. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, the the detail they put into him. I mean, you even get to see that his uh, his penis has been severed off. <laughs> I don't know how many times we were subjected to seeing his balls. <laughs> you know, but, I didn't really notice that. I'm surprised that I didn't <laughs> because there's there's one part I think yeah it's when when uh, the the uh, uh, the prostitute wakes up uh, after you know he captured her and she takes a look at his body and you see how twisted and and, and tortured it's been and then it pans down to his uh, pelvis. And uh, you see just a little stump where his penis should be, and of course the balls. So uh, 
yeah, there was that. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to go through it. I'm going to have to watch that again. <laughs> yeah. And you got to feel bad for the prostitute. <laughs> yeah. That would be a horrible way to go. Plus, like, wasn't she like this, like, she was like a sister or girlfriend. I forget. Yeah, actually, uh, it was of one the sister. Of the police officers. That yeah, weird. It was the, it was the cop's sister. <laughs> and it was funny because, uh, there's one scene because well, the sister is the pro is a prostitute, and it's well known that she's a prostitute. There is a even a joke. Uh, I forget exactly what the joke was, but uh, Jeffrey Combs or somebody was talking about the prostitute and how good she was, and and one of the guys was like, "Yeah, I know, I've been with her." <laughs> and then there was <laughs> yeah. and then there was another part where the cop was like uh, accusing of him of stuff, and he was like. Because at one point, Jeffrey Combs is uh, suspected of, uh, you know, being a part of her, of her absence, her missing. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, well, Jeffrey Combs says that, you know, mentions that, you know, he hired her services and that pisses off the, uh, the cop yeah. and he punches him in the face. It's like, well, what do you expect? You know, obviously, because everyone else knows that your sister's a prostitute. <laughs> You know, and that cop, the one thing that I just remember clearly thinking was that he sure could have helped the guy out. He really could have helped John out. You know, he knocks on, on the door of the castle, and, and John and his wife answer. Oh, and yeah. He, like, just <laughs> comes right out with, oh, you've been fucking you, my sister the prostitute. <laughs> yeah. You know, get them, get them in, in, in big trouble. What about the bro code, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. get outside and say, you know. Yeah, but, you, man, he just... He just aired John out to dry. Uh, I guess maybe that's the way they do it over there. I don't know, but... Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're right. I I think over here they might do... So, like, if it came down to the point where he did do that or did do something to the prostitute, it's going to blow up and, you know, the wife's going to find out about it anyway. But I think the first thing they would do is split them up and, uh, and you know, cross-examine them while they're alone because... yeah. Because that would be the best way to, to figure out what was going on. I don't think they would just spurt it out in front of the wife. I don't know. Maybe they would. I don't know. But, yeah. So, I recommend it. Four and a half dollar stars for me. Michael's a stick in the mud. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And he, little bit. he gives it three. But, uh, <clears throat> uh, even, you know, one thing you can expect out of this movie, I think, especially if you like... Uh, uh, gory things or twisted things is you're gonna at least have some fun watching it. And uh, yeah, just, just and and the freak was really good. I mean, that was you know it was it was all the other kind of family stuff that I just didn't really buy into. But yeah. the actual castle freak and and the things that he did were uh, really good. Yeah, really good. definitely. In a world where nations have developed giant monsters instead of nuclear weapons, Bree Kenny is about to blow up the British Parliament. But she is shocked when her plan fails, and she is captured and given an offer she can't refuse. Her brother will be released from prison if she goes to Loch Ness to kill a man who should already be dead. A man who is over a hundred years old, yet appears to be in the prime of his youth. A man named Alistair Crowley. But all is not as it first seems at Loch Ness. 
An ancient power is rising from the depths, and an entire cast of character wants to get control of it. Will Bree work for the crown or against it? With her government handlers watching her every move, Bree discovers the true power within her as she brings hell to downtown London and live up to her promise as Babylon, the Scarlet Woman, the Mother of Abominations. Mixing military intrigue, keiju action, and occult ritual, Mother of Abominations is the debut novel of Desmond Reddick and the first novel in the Monster Earth series from Mechanoid Press, Keiju Pulp at its best, available in ebook format on Amazon.com. Night Show by Richard Lehman. A story told in two parts. This is the second reprint of the 1994 horror novel by Richard Lehman, first published by Headline Features and described as thus. High school prankster Tony Johnson kidnapped school beauty Linda Allison and locked her in a haunted house for the night. Linda didn't see the funny side. Now Tony is in Hollywood and has forgotten all about Linda, but she certainly hasn't forgotten him. Now it has been made available by Samhain Publishing for a release date of the 17th of May, 2016. They describe the book as follows. When the horror becomes real, Danny Larson is the queen of horror movie special effects. Grisly murders and mutilated corpses are all in a day's work for her. Nothing frightens her, not even watching herself torn to pieces on the screen. But now the gore is real, and Danny is terrified. She's being stalked by the chill master, a psychopath who wants to be Danny's apprentice, her lover, and eventually, her replacement. Can Danny find a way to survive? Or will this real-life horror movie scare Danny to death? Richard Lehman is probably the granddaddy of extreme violence and slatter punk movement, and probably single-handedly helped create the extreme horror writers that we have today, such as Matt Shaw and Tim Miller, to name just a couple. Starting his writing career in 1980 until his untimely death in 2001, Lehman has written 44 novels plus one that was restored and reissued, 20 fastbacks, 5 collections, and over 60 short stories. Lehman has quite an extensive turnaround of material for 21-year writing span. When writing at this point, sometimes, and unfortunately, this creates casualties with overused plots, tired characterizations, and very often tired and true plot devices that seem to be more paint-by-numbers than intuitive and well-developed. Layman writes to similar themes such as, surprisingly, an often outlandish plot twist, a sexually depraved villain, portrayal of the heroines as beautiful, strong, and almost Amazonian in stature, despite also being depreciated as vulnerable and scantily clad throughout most of the proceedings, pendulous breasts, and revenge. These are all present in this book, and unfortunately, not a lot of thought was brought to the fore when using these trusty themes. The night show starts out promising enough with a girl being abducted by three men and taken to a quote-unquote haunted house in a small uptown 
state town in New York State. After being tied up and slapped about, Linda escapes only to be hit by a car and go into a coma. The action then suggests to Danny, top of her game, special effects artist whose passion is working on stock and slash horror films, and her new relationship with her special effects ace assistant. All was going well as the relationship is now new, so the sex is great and the love is explosive until Tony starts stalking and throwing herself after Danny in a sleazy manner, making Danny uncomfortable. So uncomfortable that she still tries to stay friendly with him. The story then jumps back and forth from Linda getting revenge and Danny noticing things that are not quite right with Tony. This is where the story starts to come apart at the seams, unfortunately. The book suffers from wafer-thin characters and logic is apparently missing from any of the main characters. The secondary characters are pretty much non-existent and plot devices are very forced. This is basically pulp fiction at its worst, but there are some glimmers of hope as this is a real page turner and if you are able to sustain belief in logics and plot devices, you should be able to finish this in one sitting. Night Show is a fun roller coaster ride that takes you from point A to point B, but you will need to ensure you are on autopilot as it's basically an extremely bad B movie without a good editor. This is not one of Lehman's best. To experience Lehman at his best, try the Beast House trilogy or the Traveling Vampire show. Lehman has some exciting books out there, but unfortunately this one will probably not be the best place to start when reading his back catalog. Tired and ridiculous formula that is not very well thought of. He must have wrote this in his sleep. So on a scale of one to five stars, I would give this a two. Two because it's Richard Lehman, and because it's a quick, fast read, and it will not take you very much time. But if you're looking for something more in-depth and something to feed your mind, please stay away from Night Show by Richard Lehman. This is Keith um, reviewing Night Show by Richard Lehman for Darkness Dwells. Thank you. All right, so that's that's the show this week. I, I had a lot of fun. How oh, you did I? Yeah. Um, you can find our show on... Uh, you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, and uh, one thing I wanted to mention, but I forgot earlier, but this is the perfect time because this is where I talk about this stuff. Uh, recently, uh, we signed... or I put the show up on, uh, on Google Play, so you can check it out there now, too. And... Uh, Google Play is actually kind of new to the whole podcasting thing, but uh, so they don't have too many uh, podcasts yet, but it's growing, and uh, so I highly recommend you check out, if you're a big fan of Google Play like I am, I suggest you go and subscribe there as well, and always leave a review and uh, a rating if you can. Yes. Please, uh, please review and comment. Yes. And uh, stay tuned. Future shows... Um, I've got one interview that's in the bag that'll be coming out next week. That's with Sefer Garon. So uh, we will have a guest, Sefer Garon. And uh, I also, while I was at Ad Astra, I lined up a few other interviews. It was uh, on a Saturday night in a hot, sweaty room party, and everyone was pretty well <laughs> drunk. I was drunk, and <laughs> I was talking to some of my old friends, and... And I was like, you know, I'm doing this podcast now. I want to be on the guest, a guest on the show. And they're like, yeah. So uh, we didn't want to do it on Sunday because, you know, that's the day everyone leaves. So uh, yeah. I got to contact a bunch of people, and we will we will bring you uh, that when when it's available. That's exciting. Got yes, a lot is. of stuff coming up. 
indeed. So if you want to get a hold of us, you can do so easily uh, by contacting us through email, and you can do that at darknessdwells74 at gmail.com. You can uh, get a hold of us on Facebook, and uh, there's a couple different places you can get a hold of us there. You can get a hold of us on our personal uh, our personal uh, accounts. You can also contact uh, the show itself, and uh, one of them, the easiest one, is uh, the one that I, I know the address to, <laughs> and that is uh, www.facebook.com slash where darkness dwells and uh, that is the page you can go and like we're always posting stuff on there and you can comment on it and if you want to contact us via our group just do a search and it pops up and uh, we're uh, we're also available on uh, Twitter and uh, you can get a hold of us there at uh, darkdweller74 and I believe that's everything there's a lot of places so. that you can get a hold of us <laughs> and check check out Michael Schutz Fiction. Yes, <laughs> my new definitely. Site. Check out. Yeah, you can uh, you can go and uh, you know if you're if you like what you hear from us and you want to help support us, you can do so easily by uh, you know buying our books. Um, uh, you can buy The Haunted Country on Amazon.com and you can buy Blood Vengeance by Michael on uh, Amazon.com. And uh, we would really appreciate if you did that. And uh, and thank you, as always, for listening. And I think that's it for this week. Sounds good. It was a great show. It was. And until next time, stay dark, my friend. Stay dark, stay dark indeed. indeed.